Have you ever wondered recently, what happens when we die? You know, most people are so occupied or preoccupied is a better word with the day-to-day stuff that happens that we don't really think about these really critical questions. You know, they really are critical. And at least through the lens of Christianity, there is a very clear picture that is painted and that picture is that this world is an illusion. It's an illusion and, very importantly, a very important underlined and, the afterlife exists through our discipline, spiritual discipline, and following of Christ. Now, many other religions have taken a stab at this, and ultimately this is the question to ask yourself, you know, what is my perspective on the afterlife? Because what you determine as the answer to that question fundamentally frames everything else here in this life now. And that's, you know, that's a big topic. It's a very heavy topic. So most people do avoid it, even when you have some free time to yourself. And, you know, God forbid there's nothing on Netflix to watch or nothing to distract you. And you start pondering the heavy things, the real things, the things that lead you down the rabbit holes to the truth. That's what we were meant for. That's why we were given a brain. That's why we're giving a conscience, an intuition, right? We were given all these things so that we could discover the truth. But... The enemy has created an entire matrix, right? Very literally quite a matrix to keep you distracted, to keep you enslaved spiritually. And my perspective, my wager, is that that whole effort is to keep you enslaved in the present moment so that you don't think about an afterlife. And especially in the Christian perspective, it is diametrically opposed to absolutely everything that we are taught in the world today. I mean, just look around you. You know, look around you. Everything from the New Age movement to materialism to, you know, consumerism. It's all about the present moment. It's all about hedonism. It's all about the body. It's all about your senses. Enjoy the now before it's too late. But does that make any sense to you? I mean, in light of the fact that everything eventually dies forever, it's gone. I mean, look at, again, you know, the the emperors of Egypt and Rome, Alexander the Great, you know, all these supposedly famous people in history. Where are they now? They're all six feet under. They're gone forever. And so this fundamental question of what happens it's a very real one that you have to ponder and my wager is especially now with everything going on in the world it is more important than ever to get right spiritually with the truth let's put it that way the truth because there is a truth there is a truth and the more research that you do the more digging that you do the more studying that you do you realize that there is a truth 
there are half-truths, and there are outright lies. And the truth, truth with a capital T, is surrounded by all these little half-truths and lies that you have to discern through. You have to use those tools that you were given. A mind, an intuition, and a conscience to weed through all these different perspectives and come to the truth. And a lot of times that's not easy and it's not comfortable. It's a very humbling process because if you follow the notion that yes, there is an afterlife and the way to achieve that afterlife is through spiritual discipline. It is through the opposite of everything that you're taught today in every spiritual area. I mean, uh, and I should say spiritual area, I mean new age stuff right now, you know, the new age mentality of living in the present moment and constantly drawing your attention to this dying, changing world. And, you know, even in organized religion, you know, there's, you know, again, you do your, your research, your homework, and you know, I don't have anything personally against any organized religion, but if you look at organized religion, it is, it has a lot of things in it that don't belong there, you know, where people get lost. They get lost into worshiping the creation rather than the creator. And, or worshiping other men or worshiping, you know, whatever. So ultimately we have to weed through everything and find the truth. And if it is true, then it is a humbling experience, like I said, because living a spiritually disciplined life is not easy because the world is built to encourage a spiritually undisciplined life. You know, we think that yoga and meditation and, you know, affirmations, law of attraction, all of this nonsense is really spiritual. Like, you know, I used to say, and maybe you can relate to this, but you know, I used to say, oh, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, you know, whatever that means. And today that means this giant bracket of these amalgamated practices, this sort of pick and choose spirituality where 99% of the people doing these things don't really have a clue as to the origin of these things and and what their intention is or where they will lead you spiritually if you truly put them at the center of your spiritual life in place of God. And this is very important, very important. And I'm telling you from experience right now because I used to be one of those people. I was heavily into the New Age. I was heavily into... You know, all these different practices and they feel right at first. You know, when you are stressed out and hectic and you have no way to handle your stress and somebody teaches you how to meditate, you know, or, or if you have a hard time listening and you, you realize that you have a hard time listening because you are judging people all the time and you finally start learning how to be present. These things are valuable. You know, I'm not saying don't do these things, but... The problem is that today we take these things and listen, this is by design. Don't be naive. This is by design that these things are promoted as opposed to traditional values of humility and whatever, you know, that God taught us through Jesus Christ. Everything in society is in direct opposition to those things. Why? Because ultimately, I'll tell you why. Ultimately, it feeds the self in one way or another. It doesn't feed humility because humility doesn't encourage the slave capital system that they've set up. 
And you know, this is not a conspiracy theory. Look around you. Everything in the economy in the world is based around putting the self on a pedestal. Whether that's, you know, you can create a whole spectrum, right? I mean, this is a whole spiritual spectrum. If, if, if it's super ultra low level vibration, you're talking about, you know, hedonism and, you know, all kinds of stuff like that, right? Gambling. And on the other side of things, it's sort of this feel-good spirituality of, of self-ascension and, you know, getting the latest yoga pants and going to all the yoga classes. And, you know, again, listen, if you do these things, I'm not judging you. But the point is, uh, these things have their place for sure. Yoga is a great movement discipline. And I can relate to that because I taught dancing competitively and professionally for 15 years. So yes, it is a great movement discipline. All Anything that teaches you structured movement is a great discipline. But if it becomes the centerpiece of your spiritual life, you will lose yourself. Because those things do not teach you about an afterlife. They don't teach you about humility. They teach you ultimately about self-ascension. Right? So oh, this is where all these things have something in common, that they prioritize the self. You are God. You are the creator. And you can look at every single one of these things and they all have the same patterns versus versus the spirituality we're taught through the humble example of Jesus Christ. And so ultimately, the onus comes to us as we decide Again, going back to the very beginning of this talk, as we decide how to answer for ourselves the major question of what happens after death, right? Because you will die, and at some point, that becomes very clear. Whether life takes something or someone from you, or it kind of gives you a little reminder through a sickness of some kind, hey, you know, you're not going to be around forever. This whole little matrix world of yours is just sand on a beach. And so when you realize that you have to come to terms with what do you believe? You know, do you believe that there's an afterlife and that you will live eternally if you follow a certain set of principles and you live humbly and you you discipline your soul so that you can truly access a different vibration, a different dimension, whatever you want to call it. We call it heaven in Christianity, right? Or, you know... Do you believe in this eternally dying now? And then when you die, that's it. You know, for me personally, that seems like a real waste. You know, it seems like a real waste, doesn't it? I mean, we like to sound really spiritual and be in the present and all these types of things. And that's great. Again, you should employ those things. It's a tool. Those things are tools. But tools, you can hurt yourself if you use them incorrectly or if you misuse them. You know, a knife is a tool for cooking. You can cook with a knife, but you can also really hurt yourself, right? Or you can commit a crime. And so ultimately, it is the use of a tool that really matters. So being present, meditation, yoga, you know, all these things are tools, but they shouldn't misguide you into forgetting that this is not all there is, right? It's not all there is. It can't be. I mean, look around you. Study science, study quantum physics, study consciousness, study just nature. Look around you. Look at time passing from one moment to the next. It is a total illusion. Everything that we see is not physical. So this, we don't know what this is. Is it a game? Is it 
a dream? Are we all dreaming right now? I mean, who knows? But the reality is that this is not real. <laughs> that is reality. It's not real. And as you ponder that, and you come to the realization that it isn't real, you have to ask yourself, well, then what is real? What is true? You know, life is all there is. Truth is all there is. God is the source of truth and life. That's why they say the all, the living God, the source of truth. The one true living God. It's very important why they include that word, living, the source of life. Because all there is, is life. Eternal life is the default of the universe. This condition that we're in of temporary existence with everything dying away, this is not how things were intentionally created. Right? And, you know, that's a topic for another time as to how we got here. But the reality is that this isn't all there is. And so when you think about the afterlife... And the idea that there is no afterlife or, you know, whatever, there's some sort of quasi-spiritual, you know, thing like you become part of the universe or some generic thing. If that's not satisfactory to you, and as you do your research, you realize that perhaps it is true that Jesus Christ was a person that lived, that it is true that he died, was buried, and resurrected. And if that's the case, if that is really true then, you know, the world is in for a ball of hurt because we've been living out of alignment for a very long time. You know, whoever you are and whatever your background is, you have to decide what to believe about Jesus Christ. You really do. And, uh, you know, it's not, um, it's not a fundamentalist thing to say because, look, Christianity, and I'm not talking about religion here. Again, religion to me is faulty, but... Jesus and his life and teachings are the most impactful thing to happen in human history, by far. And so you have to decide because, so there's the number one. Number two is his teachings are a complete, you know, inversion of the reality that we live today, right? So you have to decide, okay, you know, how do I deal with this because the reality that I'm living in and that is reinforced by the new age, by Hollywood, by everybody else is one reality. And the reality that Jesus presents is a different reality. So they cannot coexist with each other. One of them has to be the truth. And as you do more research, you realize some ugly things about our reality and slowly it begins to point you to the truth. And I hope that more people do see that truth because we are living in some extraordinary times that have been written about in the Bible. And they're called the last days. The last days before the second arrival of Jesus Christ. And if all that is true and it's happening, then what will you do about the question of an afterlife and the question of how to act and be in this life? This is a really interesting conversation, and it's one that I'm reminded of as I have it with myself or with other people, that there are no satisfactory answers to the question of what happens when we die. 
right? Because as you look into it, and let's say you accept, okay, Christianity and, and the perspective that Jesus Christ presented, that's what I mean by Christianity, not religion. The perspective that Jesus Christ presented, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that his answer to death and suffering through surrender to the Almighty God, through humility, through turning the other cheek, through following the Ten Commandments. If that's the way to live, and that gives us eternal life, then what happens when we die? Do we go to heaven? Do we wait until the final judgment? Do, is there a purgatory? Is there a hell for people who, you know, don't behave? And the answer to that is, I don't know. Some people say, and again, this is from the theological camp. Some people argue that there is only one death. And of course, you know, everybody has their verses of scripture that they can justify on both ends. But, you know, one argument is that there's only one death and then that's it until the second coming of Christ when everybody's been resurrected to be judged. And the other side of it is, well, there's something that happens, right? There's a heaven. I mean, you look at near-death experiences. You look at... Now, certain things, you know, like reincarnation or, you know, hypnosis for past life regression. A lot of that stuff, the more you study, you know, the nature of this world, let's put it that way, without making this talk another two hours... But the more you study the nature of this world, you realize that these things are very suspect in the sense that they could be demonic possession, demonic channeling. And demons, you know, we're not talking about frothing at the mouth here and killing your relatives when we say demonic channeling. You have to understand demons want to deceive you. It's about deception. It's about luring you away from the truth so that you don't practice spiritual discipline so that you get lost in spiritual narcissism for you know worshiping creation or worshiping yourself as the holy divine creator of your life and so ultimately there's a lot of people that claim to channel and and divine things but we're expressly told not to do that now is that because god doesn't want us to be wise or to know what's going on no it's ultimately because he knows that when we do that we open ourselves up to malevolent spirits and we don't have the power to discern or control these spirits and so things like reincarnation people who you know channel that they're reincarnated lives or whatever or they do hypnosis for past life regression you know that stuff is is suspect to me but there are near-death experiences and there are plenty of very interesting experiences that are documented that that argue you know what is consciousness i mean there's people that are born without a brain and 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 they can smile they have emotions so if the brain isn't even consciousness if you can die and have no brain or heart activity but you can still recall what happened in the room and see yourself you know what happens you know and again there's certain bible passages like uh, the parable of the rich man in luke 16 that indicate there's something that happens after you know, after life, and so ultimately you get into this really elaborate conversation. And follow me because it's going to lead to an important point. And both aspects have 
conundrums that they lead to, right? So ultimately, here's the deal. When you, if you believe that there's only one death, and that's it until the the end of the world, right? When Christ comes back and everybody gets judged, then, you know, you set up this very difficult moral dilemma, which is, how do we justify people who never had a chance to be saved? If God is good and merciful, and we know he is, and he's consistent, then it follows that all of us have an equal shot at redemption and and learning the truth and not being deceived. And so how do you solve that question for yourself? If those people who, you know, like Native Americans, let's say in, in the first couple centuries after Christ's death, I mean, they didn't know about Jesus Christ. They didn't know about the Yahweh that revealed himself to the Hebrews. I mean, how do we, how do we justify that? They didn't know any better. How do we justify teenagers that grew up and they were abused and then they turned to drugs and then they overdosed because they were so depressed, you know, that they were so overwhelmed with stress, they didn't have a chance to rediscover their faith. You know, I'm 37 and it took me, you know, up to now to really rediscover and believe what I believe after meandering through a lot of different belief systems especially the new age right so so that's the part that I struggle with with that theory that we only die once and then the other side of it is you know if we do go to an afterlife then how what does that mean is there is there a hell I mean would, would God create a place of eternal suffering for people I, I don't think so some people say that, you know, hell is of our own choosing. It is of our own resistance to ask for forgiveness and to find God. And by isolating ourselves from the source of life and truth, we create our own sort of existentialist suffering. I don't know. I don't know. Is there a purgatory? Or, you know, are we allowed to come back? Certainly you see people who are at different parts in their journey. You know, people who are in their 80s or 70s who are like children, very immature, spiritually and then people who are you know 20 30 you know even teenagers that are very spiritually mature you know so there's obviously differences in people's consciousness that doesn't account for their age you know or even life circumstances some people go through a lot of difficult things but they don't really grow up spiritually so there's something more you know there's some sort of something going on. I don't know if I believe in reincarnation in the way that it is proposed it might be a half truth in the sense that, you know, again, it's one of those half-truths that was given to humanity to lead it astray because, you know, reincarnation is tied to karma and karma is tied to self-ascension and evolution. And again, it's about you, you evolving and becoming the creator, you evolving and becoming enlightened, right? So it's about leading you astray. But maybe, maybe part of it is true. Maybe, you know, there is some sense of, you know, we die and then once we die, we, we have sort of this clairvoyance by not being limited to our body and, and we learn the truth and then it's like, okay, you know, would you like another chance to to fix some of your perspective and to learn more? And of course, when you go back, you're going to forget who you were, but, you know, maybe some of it's carried over. I don't know. I don't really know. And so in considering all these things, it can be very frustrating, right? Especially if you're trying to justify or think about people in your life that have died or passed away. It's very challenging 
or even if your own life. And does that mean I have to be perfect in this life now or otherwise I'm not going to go to heaven? You know, what does it all mean? And ultimately, I can tell you this. We don't have the answers to the big questions. I'm positive, 100% positive, that God has it all worked out. And it's probably way beyond our feeble minds. And so, you know, it's a just system. And all we can do, the conclusion is this, all we can do is live to the best of our ability day to day. Stop worrying about the afterlife, right? And I don't mean that in the way that like a new age perspective would mean it for you in the sense like, oh yeah, just focus on the now and get into your senses. No, no. I mean, focus on living your day, day to day with God as your focus, right? We have to live a humble existence because the more you feed your ego, and there's a lot of ways to do it. There's very dark ways and there's very light ways that we think sound good. I've talked about this through this idea of personal growth and all the new age stuff is, is all light way of losing yourself. In the end, it all focuses on the self. We have to crucify the flesh. And what does that mean? Obviously not get physically crucified, hopefully, but you know, it's about constantly subverting your ego because the ego, look, Buddha even said this. Buddha was right. The desire is the root of all suffering and ego is the root of desire and fear. Right, so desire and fear are like two sides of the same coin, and they rule the physical world. This is ego. And so you have to constantly subvert the ego and live this surrendered life to God and, and denounce things that feed your ego, because the more you feed your ego, the more you lose yourself. And it's very tricky sometimes because there's a lot of subversive things in the world that taste sweet and that feel good. And they're, they're very alluring, but they're, they're like that by design. The world is built in such a way as to facilitate you losing yourself. And so you have to use discernment. And that's really what it all comes down to. It's not about being perfect. It's not about, there's no leaderboard for people. You know, oh, you're, you know, you have to have this, like, you know, when I used to go to private school as a kid, we had uh, higher test scores that were needed to get the right grade. So for A, at a public school, it was 90%. But at my private school, it was 94%. You know, so everybody was always looking at their scores and stuff. You know, can you imagine if that was the way that God had set up spiritual existence here? I mean, it would be totally absurd if there was some sort of spiritual leaderboard and, you know, oh, you know, you're, you, you didn't make it to heaven. You're one point off. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. It's just about giving your your life a genuine effort at, at building a relationship with God and specifically Jesus Christ. You know, look, again, do your homework, do your research and learn the truth the truth is out there and the truth will set you free that's what it's all about so is there an afterlife i don't know i like to think that there is personally it certainly is a better explanation to me than the one death theory i just don't think that that's supported in any way and and again it causes theological problems but even if there is an afterlife I don't have the answer to, well, is there a hell that people go to, you know, before the final judgment? Who knows? And who cares? At the end of the day, the question is, 
not whether there's an afterlife, because there is an afterlife. The question is, can I live my best today through the principles that Jesus and God have laid out over and over through thousands of years, all the same? Look, there's nothing... There's, you know, people think that Christianity, you know, and unfortunately Christianity has gotten a bad rap because of religion. That's why I said religion. It's not about religion. Look at the original things that Jesus taught, and they are the truth. You know, his response to death and suffering were no different. You know, Buddha came many years, many centuries after Jesus, by the way. And Buddha's interpretation of suffering was correct, but then you lose yourself Yes, desire is the root of suffering, but then how you respond to that is through non-attachment and then just sort of meditating all day. Well, that doesn't do anything for you. That doesn't build a virtuous life. There's this whole parable that, you know, if I'm suffering on the street, I would rather have Jesus walk by me than Buddha. And if you get that, then you get the the importance of dealing with non-attachment. Yes, Jesus teaches you to not be attached to the material world, but not in the sense of like this, neutral, there's there's moral relativism, there's no good or evil at all. No, it's about renouncing the ego and living with humility. And through that, you can transcend suffering. You know, you really can. You're going to be much happier, more at peace, because all the things that pull you back, that pull you down and push you, they're all part of the ego. It's crazy. It really is. This is from somebody that's made a career out of not anymore, but out of New Age talks, New Age books, personal growth books, you know, so it's, you have to use discernment. There's a lot of half-truths out there. So, you know, look at, look at what Jesus taught. It's all very simple. If you want eternal life, follow my commandments, you know, or a simple way to think about it is love the Lord thy God with all your heart and love each other. Put God first in your life instead of Netflix, instead of the material world, instead of your dog, instead of your friends. Put God first and and treat others as you want to be treated. If you can do those two things, which are very difficult to do, and really practice them, then you have eternal life as it was meant to be in the beginning. And again, study your history and you'll see some very interesting things about how it all was and what happened it's it's pretty fascinating we live in a fairy tale let me just put it that way the real fairy tale is this little plastic world that surrounds you with your phone your car your internet your computer your gym that's that's all fairy tale nonsense the thing that you think is a fairy tale with angels and demons and giants and you know crazy things (laughs) that's reality we live in the fairy tale and when you get that you realize that there is a spirit realm there is an afterlife that jesus is right the devil is real holy smokes i need to get right with god and that doesn't mean get right so you can go to the afterlife but get right so you can be free the afterlife is a reward for being free jesus wants you to be free not to jump through hoops so you can please him be free And the way to be free is to find the truth. And the truth is to live humbly and follow the simple principles that were laid out for us such a long time ago. So, hope you take it to heart. Hope you, hope this inspires you to 
explore on your own to learn and to see where it takes you. God bless. Mm-hmm.